I'm not saying that quarantine's gotten to me or anything, but I have recently changed my name, ethically if not legally, to Dick Swiss, Soldier of Fortune. Okay. Dick Swiss. Yeah, it's it's not, I mean, I'll be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, my friends, it's not just a name change, it's a, it's a whole lifestyle adjustment. So you're fucking Swiss cheese, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> there have been rumours. <laughs> Will, will you or will you not confirm you are dicking the Swiss? A soldier of fortune adheres to a certain code, and one of those is never kiss and tell. Even when it's cheese. Especially if it's cheese, <laughs> if I'm honest. If, definitely if it's cheese. If you were fucking, you know, someone from Switzerland and that was the dick Swiss, then, you know, you'd admit that, but, but fucking cheese is another matter. Dick Swift only travels by grappling hook. Oh, is it Dick Swift? I thought it was Dick Swiss. It's Dick Swiss. <laughs> and he only travels by grappling hook. Yeah, don't question me when I don't get my story straight. So he, he, <laughs> he doesn't walk? No, no. Well, here's the thing. Um, Dick Swiss only travels by grappling hook, but I don't trust myself <laughs> climbing anything by rope. So <laughs> the way I choose to travel is throwing the grappling hook a short distance in front of me and then... <laughs> pulling the rope like a mime but you can see it <laughs> so i do that i mean the o the only other issue is that that dick swiss only travels everywhere by grappling hook but i don't have one and in these uncertain times <laughs> they're only getting harder to procure so i've got a, a clothes hanger on a bit of string and that gets the job done real run on grappling hooks a lot of hoarding of grappling <laughs> hooks going on it used to be you'd go to the store, go to the grappling hook aisle, and you'd see grappling hooks all the way down, all sizes, all varieties. You got your select a size type thing. Well, it was all over when people realized that the four prongs of a grappling hook are great for piercing toilet paper on. <laughs> This is it. It's, you know, it's just when the toilet roll paper was going. It's like, I need to be able to grab the loo roll before the other people in the store. I'll grappling hook it from the end of the aisle. I'll get it first. Dick Swiss only watches Mummies Alive. <laughs> it's all he's ever watched and it's all he ever will. Also, he accepts bounty contracts. Oh. Oh, yeah. He goes down to a seedy milkshake dive bar, the shake desk. And he gets the contracts off the wall, formerly the milk shelf. And I, I'm on my biggest game hunting contract of all, looking for the 100th luft balloon, <laughs> the one that Nina didn't account for. The one that got away. Dick Swiss, soldier of fortune. So that's, oh. that's where I'm at. So what you're saying is is that you're handling all of this terribly well and you've, you've got complete control of your faculties and your sense of self still. Everything's fine. Everything's under wraps. Literally nothing's changed. No, not really. <laughs> not really. No. People said I was having a nervous breakdown. Um, really? Because of the recent gym position I put out, which in which I had a bit of a giggle. You did? Yeah. I had a bit of a giggle because I, I said, and I mean, it's <laughs> it's the thing, right? I, oh, I said naughty dog, right? <laughs> More like <laughs> dirty dog. Oh! <laughs> 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 
have a good laugh, we don't do we? We do have a good laugh. We do. Justin made me do my cowboy voice the entire time we were setting up the green screen in the new studio. That's also where we're at. And if you've not heard my cowboy, vi- my cowboy voice, my cowboy voice is, I'm the slippery kid. I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, bang. He had me going like that for 20 minutes. I think he was enjoying it. I, I believe you did that on the most recent Boston's favorite yes. son a lot too. That's yeah. So th- okay, that explains. I it. used to do it to a friend of mine when we played D and D. I used to just turn to him, and he didn't like it when I would. Turn. I don't know what it is about the voice, but he didn't like it when I turned to him <laughs> up close and just go, "I'm a cowboy." Bang, bang, bang. I mean, once I did it when the FedEx guy was there, so they, no one in the room was fond of me in the background doing that. You're going to have fun with a silly voice or two every now and then. We, we have. I've been watching Hollywood on Netflix, lo- loving the performances, but I'm also just running around saying, I'm going to put you in pictures, kid. It's Dick Swiss, movie producer. Oh, so Dick Swiss is not merely a soldier of fortune, but also a movie producer? Dick Swiss got many fingers in many holes. I'll make you a star. <laughs> See, I wish my, my, I wish my characters that I fall into voices for had such rich, elaborate backstories, because I usually just fall into a character that has been dubbed the Sherry Lady, who is just a drunk old lady who likes Sherry. She says, oh, yes, I just really, really, really like a good drink every now and then. It's a wondrous thing. That's the voice I fall into. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's Harry Enfield and Chumps, <laughs> which ain't a bad level to be at. I rewatched that like a year ago, and and it's it's still it's ex- mostly sometimes acceptable. Yeah, it, the characters were usually just here is a silly voice and one defining character trait, such as this one's a teenager. Yeah, I mean it was often like you know that 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 style of comedy that's just something something man. Yeah, and then it's just whatever it is they do or say in front of man. Well, it's like Massive Head Wound Harry, which might be the greatest Saturday Night Live bit ever. Mm. Ever. It's just, I think it's Mike, no, it's Dana Carvey, shows up at a party with a massive head wound. (laughs) That's it. That's the whole bit. Hangs out at the party. No, no, it's fine. Bleeding all over stuff, leaning on people, getting it in the, you know, snacks. That's it. Massive head wound Harry. It's perfect comedy. Well, comrade, uh, G- Jim's Jim's got Dick Swiss, and I've pr- I've brought the Sherry Lady. Who who are you going to be today? I'm going to be Conrad. You're going to be Con- Conrad. I'm going to be Conrad. Yeah. Tell us about the lore of Conrad. Who who is Conrad as a character? Conrad is a, a, a bitter old guy who whose hair is graying and is trapped in his home. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, uh, d- likes video games. The, the only thing I could think of for Comrade was this, like, oh, uh, Comrade, Comrade. That's, that's a character. I, I've, I've never heard that before. That's incredibly original. I know. I am so creative. I am so creative. That's so weird. I wasn't seven years old when Rocky Four came out. Ah, well, <laughs> I'm glad I'm creative and have thought of things that no one's ever done before. It was, it was early that I learned. In in my in in, our, in my friendship with Conrad, it was early that I I learned not to do wordplay with his name nah. because he will make you feel so small <laughs> with his elaborate lack of surprise. <laughs> I will never say Conradical again, ever. 
That's fair. I, I think the most I ever got on wordplay with my name is my surname is Dale, and someone noticed that that rhymed with whale, and that they thought that was funny for a while. That's, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's, I get, I don't know, what kind of whale are we talking about? I mean, if it's a blue whale, then your hair kind of justifies it, <laughs> and then you could just say, ha, 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 blue whale, blue hair, you uh-huh, chump. Uh-huh. I shall put my hair up in a ponytail upwards now, it's a whale spell. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> Uh, should we talk about some video games? I mean, we could. Yeah. This is podquisition where we sometimes, if we can be bothered to tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. Who's played a video game this week, if anyone? I played one. You played one? All the time. Until my fingers are bones and dust. I, I suspect I know which video game this is. Yeah. Tell us about the video game. Uh, I've been playing Streets of Rage Four. Mm. Pretty much since we finished doing Podquisition last time until my dying days. I've done everything. Well, not everything. I, I did. I was doing arcade mode on hard because it was the minimum difficulty to get a trophy for it. Um, mm. Because I've already done everything on hardest and mania difficulty. I've got not with high ranks, but I've gotten through it. Um, and then I wanted something else to do. And then I got to the very last boss on arcade. And died, and you can't save or carry on on arcade. So that was my last experience with it, and I'm still swallowing the the, the demoralization from that. But aside from that, it's it's great. It's it's no, it's not even great. I'll venture so far as to say perfect on our scale of two. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, obviously, it's not perfect, perfect, but it's perfect. You know what I mean? It's, it's not perfect, but it, it is perfect more than it is great. On our, on our yeah, on our grading chart. On our rubric. Um, on our rubric, yes. It's a Streets of Rage game. Yes, yes, it's yeah. Streets of Rage Four. Like, there's no nothing else. Like, I'm not gonna, f- I'm not gonna go pick up Streets of Rage Four and it be like some kind of Double Dragon Neon situation, which is no shade yeah. on Double Dragon Neon and yeah. the way it tried to evolve the mechanics of Double Dragon. But I'm expecting to pick up Streets of Rage Four and have it feel like a very direct, immediate, logical progression from Streets of Rage Three. Can I just say Streets of Rage 4 bloody fucking gorgeous video game oh, just yes. aesthetically so pleasing someone mentioned they want a comic zone that looks like this and, and I mean this does look like Streets of Rage by way of comic zone yeah it's the the animation is amazing. Um, it's 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 blue. It's beautifully fluid animation, but with very deliberate like held frames um, mm-hmm. to like pause the characters on really impactful moments in their animations. And I think like that's one of the things that I'm enjoying most about it is is the perfectly used held frames. So good. I can't take my eyes off of the character design for Blaze. And the animations, yeah. she looks so oh my God. good. Mm-hmm. Bla- Blaze is the my favorite character so far in this. Blaze is 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 the character I've always played in in yeah. every Streets of Rage, and she she's a joy to play because she again is so similar to the others because Streets of Rage Four mechanically is not trying to be anything other than Streets of Rage. So Blaze feels like Blaze, um, mm. but. 
as Conrad said, the animation um, of her is so good. Like, it just adds a real punch to everything. Also, the lighting's fantastic. Like, the, the, the various layers to the backgrounds and the way they, they use lighting on them. Mm-hmm. It's just everything about the visual design comes together so nicely. Yeah, and and they they mix in subtle uh, visual nods to the originals, like the the go pointer when you're done on a screen. Like it it's not pixelated. It it's it's using the modern Streets of Rage four art style, but it's just got the right color scheme and the right um, um, italicization. That's not a word. Yeah. <laughs> Italicization of the. It just looks like the. That logo exactly, but with the the cartoony art style. It's just every every element of it has has a level of authenticity. I feel. I know there are some diehards who just hate the art style, but there are ones who are, who feel that way about the the upcoming Battletoads game, and I I feel very similarly about the art style in that that I do to this one. Uh, in that I really like it. I'm yeah. not as crazy about some of the music that I've heard in it so the, the music's fine i really like it I, I wish there had been more uh i wish it were more okay i wish they hadn't remixed prior tracks yeah if it's any consolation you can go into the options menu and select classic soundtrack and then it just plays lots of tunes from the previous games i mean that's that's fine too i mean i don't mind that but i I would have liked a wholly original soundtrack instead of trying to leverage on nostalgia because the other ones had, you know, all original music as they went through them. Uh, But it's fine. There is a lot of good music in it as you go on, though. Mm -hmm. There's there's good... I'm not denying there's good music in it, but I I think part of the issue is I can't put my finger on a new track that is memorable and, like, that's the one that's fantastic. There's no standout piece of new music that I I've got stuck in my head. Fair enough. Yeah, it's all good, but it's not like in Streets of Rage Two when you're moving through that nightclub for the first time and it's da 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 da. da. I mean, like that just it's always gonna be in mm-hmm. my head forever. They did trade in melody for for a, a lot of heavier beats, mm-hmm. which does inform yeah. the gameplay very well. Like they. The the game's very good at stepping up the music as you progress through a stage. Mm. So it'll start off kind of one way and then more gets added to it as as uh, new enemies are introduced throughout the stage, which I really like. I really That's like cool. how the music yeah. steps up at points. Um, and just, you know, some new beat will come in, some new um, instrument or sound will be added. Uh, so I really like the, the, the way the soundtrack uh, grows uh, over the course of a stage. Um, yeah. Uh, one one thing about how this plays that I really like, and this is something that, like, is is sometimes a deal-breaker on certain uh, 2D side-scrolling beat-em-ups for me, which is how much depth you give your, your 2D sprite in how far behind or in front of it you can be when you do your attack mm-hmm. and still connect with it. That feels spot-on in this, which... I, I, it's never been a problem in the series particularly, but it's always a thing that I, I actively look out for when trying something like this is, does it feel like I'm missing many hits by being, oh no, I was slightly too far behind this flat object? Yeah. Like, I've always made mistakes like that in these games, but yeah. I definitely make them... When I play Streets of Rage 4, pretty much every time I launch into an attack, 
when I do it, I know that I'm hitting something because I know where I am. That's it. It's not like there's an overly big window for it, but I feel like I'm making... like. If I don't connect with an attack, I know that that was my mistake, and I, I can yeah. see that I was in the wrong spot for it. And it is very interesting playing a game like this um, that is so committed to feeling like the old games yeah. that there isn't blocking and shit like that. Like your your avoidance of damage is based on knowing which plane of movement you're on on the screen, so that they miss and don't yeah. line up, or doing throws and and your special your neutral special attack and and your back attacks and everything like. You've got you've got means to defend yourself, but they're not what people are used to these days. Um, there are some characters that, like Adam can dodge, and I know Cherry can can sprint. And then there's some dodge mechanics with the the pixelated characters you can unlock. I would have liked to have seen mm. like maybe one or two more um, original unlockable characters mm. um, in the newer art style. Um, you know, like Skate or someone like that would have been a great. Um, unlockable character to do in the modern mm. style it's very interesting and fun that you can unlock all of the characters from the original games um which i feel is also just a little bit of a flex on their part to show to show off how traditional the game is yeah that you can plug any one previous character in that plays and looks like they did on the genesis and they fit into the game yeah um with various advantages and disadvantages um but but i really I really have not been able to stop myself playing it. And it's very rare for me to go into a game, finish it, crank up the difficulty into it to do it again. <laughs> to say nothing, yeah. of, nothing of having done that now three times to do Hard Hardest and Mania. Um, so, yeah. So if, if someone on the, the Jim Sterling subreddit got into a game with me last night, which was funny. I, I was scrolling on the subreddit and then saw a post that was like, I got into a game with Jim and they sucked. <laughs> So <laughs> oh, oh. they said I was really good, but you know, compared to them, obviously, because because they were shit and they did they did you know they cost me big and and and, and fuck them is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> At least you didn't have the situation I did with uh, roller champions when I got into a game with someone at, uh, who recognised me and their decision was like I'm just gonna fuck with you the entire match. They spent the whole match just stuck on me trying to tackle me, and I was like, okay, thanks for that. That's that's great of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I do feel if I'm recognized in a game, like that is undue attention from from other players that, that can can hinder. Especially if they think I'm gonna bag that fucker. <laughs> Yeah. So I didn't really mean it when I said that other person to fuck off. I know sometimes people don't um, don't always assume that there's a jest there. There's a jest there. Um, that would make people feel bad even if they were terrible and cost me. Big. <laughs> Big, though. Big. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a bloody good video game. Really, really, really good. Like, it's... I I, I want to say it's, it's certainly the most... The, 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 uh, in terms of new games that have come out, the one I've played the most, I think, now already. Mm. Um, definitely a shoe-in for, you know, best of the year for me. Like, it's in that it's, conversation for me. It, it's the most I've enjoyed a side-scrolling beat-em-up in a while. Like, the last one I can think of that I remember having this much fun with was um, Streets of Red I had a lot of fun with. I'm in that. Yeah, you're in that one. How long ago was Streets of Red? Oh, it was a couple of years back. God, yeah, it must have been a couple of years. River City Girls I did play. A lot of people said to oh, me, yeah. like, if you like Streets of Rage 4, you'd like that. I, huh, I did sort of like it, but... 
there's something about WayForward's games that feel a little off to me. And I like WayForward as mm. a developer, I, and I love the, the the style they have in their games. But but there was just something off about that game that didn't quite. I felt out of sync with it. I, I was having that issue of not quite knowing where I was in the on the screen and not knowing what would connect. I didn't quite trust uh, the mechanics. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people really like it, but it just. There's a strange uh, desync I have with with WayForward's games, um, but it, it was very well put together. But for me, Streets of Rage Four was just it, way more what I wanted um, in terms of. I'm a big brawler fan, and and Streets of Rage Four is pretty much exactly what I was looking for. Nice. In that, it is just an old brawler from a thousand years ago. But with pretty today graphics. Really pretty, really pretty graphics. Yeah. And annoying kicking enemies. <laughs> that are, oh, they're they're a bit annoying on normal. You fucking try the the fucking bikers. The headbutt bikers and the, the jump kicking girls. Once you're on Mania, they are like worse than the devil. And the devil's evil. The devil's pretty bad. I don't know if you knew that. The devil's like proper evil, at least according to the books I've read. <laughs> the good books. Uh, who else has been playing games this week? Comrade, have you been, you been playing anything I mean, this week? Uh, not, not, not a lot. I, uh, you know, I've been playing my time at Porsche, which is just, I mean, it takes forever because every day day in the game is about 40 minutes real time mm. you know i think or, or maybe it's maybe it's 20 minutes real time but that doesn't include your menus and you know all the yeah, time that the yeah, game yeah. is paused so you wind up spending 40 minutes on on a day and it's 28 days in a month and then four months in a year and that shit adds up when you're playing it like 12 hours a week or whatever um so i'm gonna be playing it for mm. fucking ever and that's fine uh but i was just starting to do the math on how long i'm gonna be playing this and it's like oh all right well cool i don't have to think about what i'm doing for a very long time because it's just gonna be <laughs> playing this um but i did uh I, I was playing flint hook also recently which uh was a tribute games uh i really like tribute as a developer they make really cool stuff. I was going to say, what else do they do? Because I know Flint Hook, but I don't know what other stuff they've done. Well, they did they did Mercenary Kings, uh, which... Oh! Yeah, was that sort yeah. of slow development... Um, I mean, in terms of slow progression, uh, mission-based, yeah. semi-metal slug kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was a weird design. Um, very different to Flint Hook. Yeah, yeah. Um... They did, uh, let's see, um, Strike, did they do Strikey Sisters? Uh, that might not have been them, but there's, um, Curses and Chaos, which I play on PlayStation 4. They, they make some really cool little arcade games, but all of their stuff is sort of typified by this very retro aesthetic and, and approach. Um, I should look up their list, because I played a ton of them, and now I can't remember which are theirs. Um, yeah, so the, the the deal with Flint Hook is like side scrolling two D platformer, but you've got this hook that you can sort of grapple around le the levels with off of these predefined points. Yeah, it's really good. It's a yeah, real it's good game. Real mm. good. It, it's very like thematically well put together. Everything is visually unified. Um, the action is really tight. It takes some getting used to. 
in the control yeah. of because it uses the approach of tying your uh, aim to your movement as well. Yes. Uh, on one stick. And so then, and, and all of your aim is operating on the same stuff. So your, uh, your hook for movement as well as your shooting. And so it, what it teaches you is that you kind of have to be aggressive, mm. be, you know, and, and, and utilize that fact that you're going to be moving towards the direction that you're going to be firing a lot of the time and use that to your advantage. At least that's how it's worked out well for me in the past. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of this uh, roguelike type deal where you take on missions to go take down pirate captains and first you have to find where their ship is located so you'll move through these stages of um, various smaller ships in their employ to get uh, these gems to feed your compass that will then point the direction of the final boss and they get progressively more challenging and they have all these different variant rules and the room uh, the ships are sort of randomly uh, or procedurally generated in terms of their organization of rooms. Um, as you go, you get power-ups and become more powerful, and then you have sort of a base starting point that develops over time on its uh, meta progression the, from round to round. It's, mm. it's good. It's real good. And I decided to start a new game, and I miss what I know I could do. <laughs> Even though it's uh, been like it's been like years now since I I like played it at all. I think I looked at last played before I started. It'd been like 3 years. And I'm now like I know how capable I will become, but I also know I shouldn't be diving back in because the difficulty has developed and you know, just take my time and ease into it the way it intends me to. But It's it's that experience you can have with games sometimes when you come back to them after a long time of like why can't I find the button to do this? I'm trying to do the thing I know I can do. Why can't I find a button for... Oh, I don't have it yet. Right. Things that feel, like, fundamental to how the game should work that you forget you couldn't always do. Yeah, well, it, it's it's not even that. I mean, I know what I can't do at this point. And that, uh, like, that's yeah. totally clear. It's just I lament that I can't do... I don't have those things yet. I'm aware of it, and I know I'll get there, but it seems so far away. Yeah. Because it's, a, you know, it's meant to drag out that progression, and yeah. and that's fine. I, I had a similar feeling when I went back and replayed Celeste from the beginning recently, mm. and that that was very much one of those... I know what's coming. I like. Oh, I'm. I'm really itching to start zooming around the levels the way I know I'll be able to. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yes. yep, playing that, and and it's still real, real good. Nice. Uh, I played something new this week that um, I believe the recommendation came from from Justin. Oh yeah. Uh, I yeah. I started playing a game called. Let me find the name of it. Uh, Starcrossed which came to Steam and I think Switch this week. Um, it's designed to be played as a two-player game, but it can be played single-player, which is how I've been trying to get my brain to wrap around playing it. Um, basically, how do I describe this? It's kind of like if Pong was a bullet hell shooter. Okay. So um, um, imagine like a split pair of Joy-Cons. You give one to each person. Um, each... 
analog stick controls one half of, I guess, what would be your pair of pong paddles. You can sort of move your your anime flying people around, and the the ball will always ping from where one character is to where the other character is on a straight line. Um, and the idea is that you're trying to dodge bullet hell patterns while bouncing, essentially bouncing the ball back and forth in pong to kill the enemies that are bullet hell firing at you by positionally knocking this ball into them. So basically what you're doing is you're trying, you're, you're creating a line between your two paddle positions that has enemies yeah. between it so that the ball will strike them when it passes in that direction. Yes. And it's not always exactly that simple. You'll sometimes have like a great early example is you might have an enemy that's fixated on one of your characters and has shields on its front. So if you knock it into the front of them because the straight line goes into them, it's not going to hit them. So you've got to get the ball to right. go like over the top of their head and then move that other character down so that it'll it'll cross into them from behind on the way back. Like it's trying to work out how to get the ball going in the right direction at the right enemy at the right time to hit them, all while also dodging bullet hell patterns. That's cool. Yeah, mechanically it's fascinating. Um. It's a real brain breaker to try and play by yourself. Like, I've put yeah. probably a good six or seven hours into it, and I finally feel like I've got my brain in the right place for what I'm doing. But it, it is very, yeah. Well, it's a lot to track. Well, that's it. Is it explicitly designed or intended to be played with multiple players or not? Um, they On the main menu, when you're, like, highlighting menu options, you have to have both your icons on, like, the start button, and it labels one of them player one and one player okay. two. So it certainly seems like it's meant to be played two player. Because I, you know, to a certain degree, I, I can't, I don't know which is worse. I mean, I guess you only have to worry about the positioning of one character on screen, yeah. which is a big load off. But yeah, it's it's definitely quite the challenge to track not only where is my character in terms of both of my characters in terms of dodging the bullet hell patterns, but also well, what is our trajectory line right now? Um... Like, where is the ball in that path? Like, is it who's it heading towards? Right. If I dodge this enemy, is that going to throw the ball off of the trajectory I need it on right now? Right. Um, it, it is it is a really interesting, simple concept, and it works really well. Huh. Um, I, I can't say I would recommend it to everyone as a game to try and play single player, because there is a hurdle to get over, but mm -hmm. I want to stick with this game more, because... I, I definitely like the idea of giving someone half the control of this and seeing how that goes. I will say, I, I like a lot of the design elements in it. Um, it's very much like 90s anime uh, magical girl kind of stuff. Mm. Um, some very like neon um, punkish female character designs that I really like. The narrative and the narrative presentation in the story mode are um, kind of poorly written and predictable. It... it <laughs> The narrative is not worth caring too much about. It is just... It is a vehicle for what is a fascinating bit of little game design. So it, it's a real cheap little game that's just come out, and I think it's it's worth checking out. I can't say I've played anything else like it, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Just be, be aware that the narrative that is there is flimsy at best. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a thing I've been enjoying playing this week. Oh. Anyone else uh, played anything else? I played Dying Light. Yeah? Yeah, I uninstalled it after 15 minutes. I remembered what it was I didn't like about it. What did you not like about it? Most of it. <laughs> This is very mediocre and dull, and then uh, once I got through the 
excruciating opening section where nothing happens. I got out into the world and was like, oh yeah, I remember all this now. Mm. And then I just stopped. Yeah. And that was it. I, I went back and replayed a game from last week that I wasn't digging because some people who listened to this podcast gave me some advice on how to make it more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so last week we talked about Dragon Quest XI, which I really wasn't digging because... Oh yeah. I I was kind of baffled by the, the combat system because like as I described it last week, you enter battles with overworld creatures and you can move around in 3D space, but seemingly there's no benefit to it. Because, like, you you can't dodge attacks by doing it, or you can't get, like, extra damage by going around the back of an enemy or anything. And it seemed like there was this invisible ATB bar that was, like, to do just a single sword hit, you just had to kind of walk around and wait until the menu popped up and said you could do it. So, there is no ATB bar, and the walking around is is for no reason. I've had people who've played lots of this game tell me, yeah, that, that just exists for no reason, and it's pointless, and it's not enjoyable, don't worry about it. Go dig into the settings. You can turn off the walking around in 3D space thing, uh, so that it's just a turn-based combat system. And the thing I think that's that's helped the most in getting me to enjoy this game is on top of that you can drastically speed up the combat encounter um, speed, much like... Not quite to the same degree, but you know how the um, the Square Enix like Final Fantasy VII port to Switch lets you like turn up the speed and just go, go, go? Um, you can essentially do that with the turn-based combat in this game from the start, which is just ultra speed up the, the battle animations. You can basically get rid of all battle animations and just go attack, 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 that person won, on we go. Taking all of the waiting around and pointless walking in circles that didn't seem to do anything out of the combat and allowing me to just sort of get through level grinding as quickly and thoughtlessly as possible to sort of progress on with the narrative and see more of the world has made me have a much more positive um, opinion of the game. I think that some of its voice acting is still a bit um, exaggeratedly British in a way that is a bit cringeworthy to, to listen to if you are a person who has lived in England. There's a lot of, oh, cool! Blimey, governor, I'm from, I'm from London, sort of exaggerated Cockney voices all over the place. Yeah, the, the voice acting is hit and miss. Yeah, and like not, not like the fun kind of exaggerated British you get in like a Xenoblade or something, but, uh, you know, the, the narrative's a little predictable, but I'm having fun with the journey. I like a lot of the environmental designs. I like a lot of the character designs. It's reminding me how much I like Dragon Quest. The, one of the things I've always liked about Dragon Quest is I do really like the the enemy monster designs. They're really fun. They've got cute puns attached to them. I do enjoy those. It is very traditional JRPG. There's a lot of things that I honestly kind of prefer how other games do them. Like... If a character faints in the middle of a dungeon and you don't have any Phoenix Downs, I like it. A lot of JRPGs will, at the end of the fight, go, okay, your person's back with one HP. You can heal them back up. They're not totally gone. Whereas early game in this, I did have a few like, oh, that character's fainted and I'm just down a party member until I finish this dungeon now because I I didn't have the option to buy revival items yet. And, you know, some, some little... Things like that that feel just like not not the best quality of life wise, or at least occasionally made me feel like I was spending more time than I needed to repeating stuff because of some design choices, but I'm having a lot more fun with it than I was a week ago. So thank you to everyone who tweeted or emailed me about uh, 
the fact that I could just speed up the combat system a lot. That that has made me stick with it when I was ready to put it down. Most RPGs benefit from from any method of speeding them up. Yeah. 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 I, I became one of those people in Pokemon. I, I always used to be one of the people who would leave all the battle animations on, and I reached a certain point where I was just like, I can turn those off and I can get through my random battles faster. Eventually, I think, yeah. You, yeah. you can only be amused by battle animations for so long. Yeah. And like I I've been I do like that um Dragon Quest 11 does let you change between I'm speeding up the battles and regular battle speed during a battle. So if you accidentally stumble into a boss encounter room and you're like, "Oh, this is a one-off encounter. I don't want to rush through this one." You can turn it back like mid-battle to I want to I want to see the animations play out just for that fight and then put it back to how it was before yeah. which is really nice that's good yeah this, I, I i very much appreciate the the areas of this game where it does let you customize your experience on the fly as you go that is one thing that i think it's it's done really nicely i remember enjoying the game i just can't remember any detail about it uh the the narrative is it, it a person is is born in the castle he's got a magic mark on his hand it, Bad people are in the castle now, so they send him down the river. It grows up somewhere else. You sort of Kakariko. You ride around on monsters, don't you? Yeah, you can ride around on monsters, and eventually you go back to the castle, and they're like, "Oh, we think you're not going to save everyone. You're going to make everything worse. You're the problem." And the the fella who dressed in green, who for some reason I just can't place his accent. Yeah, and it's strange. It's like hearing. There's just something so unnervingly unplaceable about it for me. And I know it, 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 it's it got to be clear to plenty of others. I just can't pick up what it is and it freaks me out and makes me scared of the game. It, it's basically go to the five places, get the five glowy orbs, make the magic tree do its nice thing to save the world. Nice stuff. It's it's one of those. Like yeah. that, I don't think the narrative's particularly inspired, but I'm having fun on, on the journey. There you go. Yeah. Uh, anyone else played anything else this week? No, I'm sorry. I've I've, I've let you all down. That's that. Well, you've 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 yet let yourself down. That's what you've done, Jim. You've let yourself down. The worse, if anything. Yeah. There, there, there were some newsy things this week. Um, I, I think probably most interesting one. Um, so we knew that E3 as a physical event wasn't happening this year, and we've known that for a little while. And I think everyone was just assuming that we would get like. A Nintendo Direct, a Sony live stream, a Microsoft live stream, a Ubisoft live stream, just during that same week that E3 was going to be. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Um, what we have this year is Summer Game Fest, which is being brought to us by Jeff Keighley. Mm. Oh, who doesn't love a bit of Jeff Keighley? See, I mean, he he is just like the human face of the... Like how... Hasta has the yellow king. Like he's he's just the human avatar <laughs> of of the amalgam mind that is the game industry. He's the mouth of Sauron. He he is he is the face that goes, Hello, would you like to see some video game adverts? Yeah, like yeah. He's a, he makes sense as a person to be the face of this. He, like, I can't think of anyone else who I would go, okay, yeah, I can see you doing this. He's Bobby Kotick's representative on Earth. Yeah. So, <laughs> to, to summarise... <laughs> so, to summarise what this is, it's 
rather than all of the E3 press conference live streams we would have had happening in one week in June, it seems like they're going to be spread out between late May and late August. We're going to have several months of just, here is a random press conference a few weeks after the last random press conference we got. They're just going to keep reminding us that the game industry exists until they hope lockdown's lifted. Yeah. So one, one aspect of this that's kind of nice... Um, the ESA has nothing to do with this year's Summer of Video Game News live streams. <laughs> well, good, then the people involved with it don't have to worry so much about their personal details. Yeah, and I, I suppose that this... I keep thinking about the fact that this potentially means... D- does this make it more likely that E3 doesn't survive into next year? Because, like, not only have they had to take this year off after very bad news about security breaches last year... But now they have something else that exists this year that could replace them. You know what they could do? Yeah. They could refuse. Any any publisher taking part in the Summer Game Fest, they could take a leaf from movie theatre books and just refuse <laughs> to host them in future. Fuck you, EA. Oh my. That, that is such an unwise move for the movie industry, huh? No, it's, it'll work out fine. Movie theatres will be around forever. Just look at arcades. <laughs> Their bargaining posture is, is not dubious in the least. Yeah, for anyone listening who's not up to speed on this particular story, um, a, a couple of films have been released that were going to be in cinemas and we can't go to the cinema right now. N- namely Trolls World Tour of all things I love that that was the straw that broke the camel's back That's the fucking straw that broke the camel's back It's big, big, big fucking money though like, It is Yeah, it is. well that's the thing is it, it got released at home And it did ludicrous good numbers Like as the test case for Will people pay 20 quid to watch a film and can we still make money even if it will probably be pirated within 24 hours of it being on home release? The answer is you can make money releasing films without a cinema. Mm. I think there are certain movies that would directly benefit from it if this removes away the potential direct-to-video stigma. Like, yeah, I reckon something like Into the Spider-Verse, which I rewatched the other day, and I thought oh. to myself, if that had, if they'd made a big stink about a big digital-only release for it, certainly if it were released in this climate, I think it would have done exceptionally well, because I, I, if I re- recall, it didn't perform as well as wanted or expected, or, you know, it wasn't a high grosser or whatever. But I feel like if it had been a digital-only thing, I think it could have... Certainly in future, um, films like that could do very well out of this. I do have a bit of sympathy, I guess, Mm. for the people who make films and want films to be in theaters because that's the experience that they want people to have i'm 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 not a person who wants the the movie the cinema theater going experience to die away i like seeing a film in a big dark room with the volume up impossibly loud on a huge screen but like yeah to to finish the story for anyone who's not caught it uh which theater was it in the states that amc uh, amc basically said well we, uh, Universal have completely and utterly, you know, betrayed our trust by releasing this film <laughs> dir- direct at home release, so we're never going to show their films in cinemas again. And well, and that's a. Now, mm. there's, there's a lot more going on, too, with AMC right now. Like, yes. they are 
on the absolute verge of bankruptcy. They are so in a lot of ways, some of what's going on here is posturing. Um, oh, and yeah, 100% this is, please don't destroy our business model while we aren't here to to offer it. Oh, no, I wouldn't even say it's that as much as them trying to demonstrate to investors that they're willing to fight to keep the business going. Like, I'm, mm. I'm not even talking about them. You know Universal's laughing their asses off at this. Oh, I'm well, that's the thing. It's... This has absolutely proven that the AMC needs Universal more than Universal needs AMC. Yes. But, but um, they have to show that they're putting up the fight, I think, for some people. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a whole that's a whole fucking thing. And I, I don't think that's a road that AMC can consistently do because I think the longer this drags on, if this drags on all year, we're gonna see more movie studios putting their films on home release and Well, it's also a pretty empty threat from a certain perspective, because the way AMC is going, they're going to probably file bankruptcy. They have a lot of assets, generally speaking, and they will likely yeah. be purchased. And the new management or the new company or whatever it is, they will be happy to take Universal Films, and it's all going to work out for everyone. No. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, if I don't get my Netflix special immediately... I will never work for Netflix again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so back back to Summer Games Fest. Like it, it seems like the E3's whatever it's going to be this year is not going to be one condensed week. Which I I am going to kind of miss having this one week where it's like all of the things are happening. It was quite nice to just squish it all together. We know some stuff definitely won't be in June. Um, Nintendo's not having an E3 Direct around uh, that week in June because apparently in Japan, working from home is just not really a thing. This was a, a statement Nintendo put out that basically summarised to we're having delays putting together our next Nintendo Direct and working on the games that we would have uh, talked about during it because a lot of our staff don't have a high-end computer at mm -hmm. home. They have the one in the office and, uh, it, you know, small housing situations. They may not have room to put a big, you know, computer game workstation in their, their small apartment and... It's just not the done thing over there. So, like, Nintendo will probably be the later end. Like, I would imagine that when they say they're not making June, they're probably going to be one of those August ones that, that that window covers. You know, it's... We know some stuff's coming earlier. We're getting, like, Xbox One game announcements. The day this goes live, uh, third-party trailers for next-gen games are happening, and then the first-party ones are later this month. It does just seem like that week that would have been E3 is just spreading out now. Well, okay, then. Yeah. I will watch their videos, if I must. I mean, you don't have to. I'll summarise them at you if you prefer. If I have to, then I will. Oh, shudder. Yeah. It's... It, we will still find out about all the games we would have found out about previously, but it will no longer be. Here is a week of all of the things. Stay up till 4am watching trailers. Yeah. <laughs> probably better for me health. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, no E3 is better for everyone. Certainly the people who the ESA docks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that. <laughs> But the ESA ducks thousands of people. Yeah, multiple years worth of E3 attendees. Yep, 
I wonder if it's been long enough since I attended that my information didn't, which would be out of date by this point anyway, but I'd have to wonder. I checked the dates of the, the leech years and I wasn't, uh, I missed, I missed them off by a year. Oh. Uh, yeah, I was the same. Like the, a, a year either side of when I was there got leaked and I was like, okay, I did all right. <laughs> I've moved since then, so it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world anyway, but... I mean, I've moved several times now, but yeah, the ESA, bunch of bungling twits and, and they're sh- I don't like them. And they say proudly, we are the game industry on their website. So technically, the game industry docks to thousands of people. Yeah, I... I'm glad that someone who is not the ESA has stepped in and hopefully this will continue the continue to push the fact that next year the ESA might not be as relevant as they would hope to be around E3 time. You can always count on Jeff Keighley. If the industry needs someone to showcase their games, they don't need anyone but Jeff. He'll get the job done and he'll do a damn fine job. I mean, if nothing else, Jeff Keighley did not dox hundreds of thousands of people. No, no, honestly, comparatively fewer people did he dox. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely didn't dox as many people as the ESA. I mean, a remarkable reduction in the amount of doxings on Jeff Keighley's watch. He runs a tight ship about that sort of thing. Hmm. Uh, the there was other... that time he shot a cat, but that was an honest mistake. That could have been anyone's cat. Is that slander I hear? <laughs> you've caught me. You've caught Saucy Jack. You've caught me red-handed. Uh, That's what it would feel like to people if we were in a musical. That's just what it would be like. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I had on the docket list that I thought was an uh, interesting thing that came up was um, uh, a big leak of internal documents and files from Nintendo uh, surfaced okay. on the internet this week that was kind of uh, interesting. Is this just the result of quarantine? Because we've had The Last of Us 2 leaks, we've had the big Nintendo leak. I was told this morning about some Netherrealm leak. Like, is it just like people are more bored than normal because we're all indoors? But then the kind of people that normally leak and stuff this, like, leak this sort of stuff are normally indoors anyway. So I'm very confused. They're indoors, but they don't have to have a pretense of doing something else. It's like, ah, I, no, I, I'm, I'm at home. I can, I can just straight up admit that's what I'm, I'm doing. they, They might be bored. Yeah, I'm bored. It's time for corporate espionage. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'll, I'll, I've. Oh, damn it! Tiger King's over. What do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> what do What do I do? Let's go get the source code for Mario 64 off of some Nintendo servers yeah. so we can make a PC port that runs in 4K. A hobby's a hobby. Which I mean, yeah, <laughs> good on them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's 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 uh, people are still digging through all. Don't do corporate espionage. Yeah, so people are still digging through all the stuff that came out of it. But the 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 one headline I found kind of interesting was um some mid two thousands Nintendo marketing presentation powerpoints got leaked, including one about why in the Wii and Wii U era Nintendo was so set on friend codes and not having, like, usernames you could pick. And it wasn't the thing you would think of of it being like, ah, this is to protect the children. They never mentioned protecting the children. Their reasoning was, if we let people pick usernames, they might get frustrated and confused if they pick a username and it's already taken. 
So 12 digit numbers that we assign them will make more sense and be Lock. less stressful well, they, because yeah because they they won't type one in and it goes someone's already someone is already Jim Sterling. Oh no, I don't know what to do. Well, no, hang on. Now cuz you're you're putting a bit of a patronizing tone onto that, but think about it this way. This is a yeah. completely different perspective towards design. They want to completely remove any obstructions that go from the step of conception of the accounts to completion of the account. The problem is is that it doesn't then weigh the value or the merit or yeah. the functionality of that friend code numeric string. It's a short-term solution that creates a very long-term problem. Right. You've solved the point you've solved an issue at the point of registration, but then yeah. you've created this problem that is then ongoing from the inception of that account until the end. Yes. Like, and I know they make the example of, you know, they might get the, in the text of the, this slide, they make the, the observation that, you know, they could pick a username that's already taken. But then they're like, and then they have to cycle back and select a different one. And I think it's less about the user being frustrated by that process other than that process being interrupted and having to be repeated yeah. possibly yeah. for a long time. Um, yeah, but I mean, they they act as if oh they'll be confused and and disappointed. It's like we all are used to that now. We have all yeah used social media. We have all had to make email accounts by now, um, and by then as well, you know. So well, I mean, in their defence, fewer of us had set. Well, I suppose maybe. Yeah, we didn't have, you know, your Twitters and whatnot. Names with numbers at the end of them have been yeah. a thing for decades. I mean, yeah, like my, I remember being in my teens and having a username with a number at the end of it because the, the one I wanted was taken, so I slapped some numbers on. Most people don't care, or at this point, it's it's a stylistic choice to just shove numbers in everywhere. Yeah. It, it's, it's the same thing of, of them... Blocking cloud saves on certain games. Yeah, they've invented a problem. Right, they've just envisioned and worried about this problem. No one had until they conceived it and then solved mm. it. They fixed a problem they made up, <laughs> but not in the way other companies do to make money. They've done it because they've given themselves anxiety. It is. It is honestly like I know I, I gave a bit of a patronizing spin on the way I presented it there, but like. It is fascinating that, like, they, they were so proud that they'd found a solution to a problem and had completely not seen what it was going to lead to. Yeah. And, like, that's that's the bit that's fascinating to me, because we've all talked about Nintendo for years. Like, they make baffling choices sometimes. They do. A, a lot of the time. It, it's really interesting to, for once, like, get a peek behind the curtain at what they were thinking. There's a lot of perspective uh, that, you know, we... Well, my mother used to be a technical writer by profession, hmm. and she would always say that the key to her success as a technical writer is that she recognized that engineers spoke a different language from everybody else. Hmm. And so she inserted herself as the go-between that could speak that language and could speak to people in suits and bridge that gap for them. Uh, and I think that every company has different approaches to translating what the engineers are thinking about or how the engineers – or even dictating how the engineers should think. Hmm. And 
then translating that into an end product that's a little bit different. And Nintendo's, yeah. this seems to be their their route, is that we want to make this as baseline simple as possible for the end user immediately to get them in the door. Yeah, I... I, I think I think what this example shows, and I find it really interesting as just a window into how Nintendo operates, is it, it shows a prioritizing of wanting to ha- you to have as few steps as possible to get you set up, so that there are as few things as possible that that would make you potentially as a as a person who doesn't know what they're doing go oh, this is too complicated, I'm not going to bother. But it also has to be secure in specific ways. Yeah. But even that's an issue. Like, they've just sold you several hundred dollars worth of hardware. No one's going to think, oh, I can't get the username I want. Throw it in the bin. (laughs) Well, no. They've already made the fucking sale. But it's yeah, it's 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 interesting to think that that that, that is such that that was such a priority over the idea of a player going up to another player and saying, "Yes, I would like to play games online with you, my friend. What's your identifier on on the console online?" The people making decisions at Nintendo, right, need to be on like some of the meds I'm on that stop me lying awake in bed at night <laughs> just thinking. Because that's what this is the result of. Someone at 2am thinking, oh shit. What if what if, if someone <laughs> can't call themselves Bacon Crumble without adding a six at the end, they're going to throw their Wii in the bin. Oh. Call up Shigeru. That's the phone. Call up Shigeru. It's like 3.30 in the morning and Shigeru picks up and he's like, Bacon Crumble, isn't it? And he goes, yep, we've got to fix this. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's it's an interesting look into into Nintendo's thought process. I would love I would love to see more slides like this about other baffling Nintendo choices over the years. I would love to just see a very matter of fact like, no, this is what we were thinking. It's always interesting to get those insights. I'm curious what else will be found in this big yeah. pile of information over the coming weeks. But uh, have a nice dig through it and see like what other stupid ideas they've had. And then I can do a Jimquisition titled like Nintendo's a big dumb piece of shit. And then we'll see what the response to that's like. <laughs> yeah, it's <sighs> it's been a weird it's been a weird thing to see that all unfold. Everything's weird and strange. Everything is weird and strange. You know what's not weird and strange? Us finishing up this podcast because I think we've covered all the topics. We can wrap this up. We can wrap this up. Absolutely. Um. But before we do, <gasps> Laura, some some people may be curious as to what they could read or hear or look at now that we're leaving them. And you might have some answers. I do have some answers, as a matter of fact. I do a bunch of stuff on the internet. You can find me at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. You can find links to everything I publish on laurakbuzz.com, be it written articles, freelance features, videos, podcasts, all that kind of thing. You can find me on Twitch Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, starting at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Uh, usually stream for about two or three hours. Other than that, I'm on a bunch of podcasts. There is Pixel Squirt, which is about video game character pornography. 
uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't exclusively video games. Uh, there's also Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, every season is a self-contained story. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and soon season seven. We're currently doing a little mini series, which is basically fantasy Ace Attorney. We're trying to we're trying to solve a tro- solve a crime about someone who's accused of a murder, and they're an adorable tiny frog. And we're gonna we're gonna use the power of talking to the dead and being strong with muscles to solve this crime. You can also hear Comrade on Dice Funk. That's right, you can. You can hear me on Dice Funk. I'm in seasons five, six, soon to be season se- season seven, and the current mini series Gun Puns and Justice. Uh, which is fun. We're having a lot of fun with that one. Uh, and it is very Ace Attorney. Yeah. So if that's your speed, yes. Um, it's it's weird. Uh, you can also buy audiobooks that I record at conradreads.com. You can watch me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. I'm on most weekdays. Uh, I'm currently fighting with learning different streaming software at bending it to my will um but uh you can catch me usually around 2 p.m eastern that'd be like uh i don't know 11 a.m pacific so you know finish your breakfast or whatever and you can also hear me on of horse which is a bojack horseman fan cast uh you can buy anti-capitalist buttons from me at pinfultruth.com this is a lot of disjointed shit uh i also do a bunch of stuff with jim uh a podcast about movies called the spinoff doctors which is right here on this very feed and a very funny to somebody uh (laughs) podcast uh uh where we try to get our our old friend Jonathan to be famous once more. Uh, That's Boston's favorite son. Um, And uh, Jim, I think you also, uh, you have a Patreon, don't you? Well, how else does Dick Swiss fund his Soldier of Fortune adventures? (laughs) The fortune that he makes being a soldier? No, that goes in the bank. The Patreon, however... Um, does pay the bills, does allow me to pay the artists I collab with. In fact, I've been making a few fun commissions and stuff. You know, I'm trying to find excuses, actually, to just, like, pay some artists and that in these uncertain times, trademark. But the Patreon is patreon.com slash jimquisition. Thanks so much to everyone for recent support. Like, there's been a lot of support on the Patreon and also just a ton of, of good messages and emails. Uh, sorry if I don't get back to everyone, but it's been a flood. Um, also, just some weird hate mail as well uh, recently. People are really starting to feel the bite of being stuck indoors, I think. Um, so that's been a treasure. But the the genuine support and everything's just been really mind-blowing the past couple of weeks. I don't know where it all came from, but thank you so much. Um, I think that's about it for right now. Um, but, you know... Hopefully we'll have some some more stuff for you in the future. Uh, trying to still find time to get into the, the Twitch streaming thing, but we've only just got the, the new studio space set up and everything. Um, but that leads to an uptick in quality of the Jimquisition. So if you haven't seen it, the latest episode is um, Why Naughty Dog Deserves... No, just Naughty Dog Deserves Two Spring Leaks Forever. I thought it's it's a very good episode. I think, but you know, I think so too. Talking. I thought it was very good. It's quite good, quite entertaining, you know. Uh, so enjoy that. Thank you so much for your support again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday, Gavin. Oh, he would say that at the end to make us feel like bad and look look bad. That's fine, Justin. Edit me in also saying it. Happy birthday, Gavin. <sighs> Fucking Conrad. <laughs> uh.